This is part three of our, our study in uh, the life of Abraham in this study called Crossover. Uh, it's the third week, and we're going through Genesis uh, 12 through 22, as you know. And man, Abraham, uh, he is the father of faith. Uh, he is considered widely to be the father of faith. Um, and in order to save us from our sin, uh, God had to be born into the world in Jesus Christ. It, yeah, it's amazing, I know. It, it's amazing to think about this. And to do this, uh, he had to start a lineage. He had to start a line of descendants to eventually uh, get into the world, to, to be born into the world. And to begin this lineage, you've got to start somewhere. And man, about 4,000 years ago, uh, he started with this guy, Abraham. He started with this guy, uh, Abraham, and his family. And uh, because he's the first in this line um, of descendants to the Messiah, to, to Jesus, he's considered the first Hebrew person, the first Jewish person. And that word Hebrew, uh, as of just to remind you, the word Hebrew, it means to cross over. It means to cross over. It means to travel or to traverse. Um, it means to, to cross over. And God is taking his family, uh, him and his family, uh, on a quest. And they're called to cross over each and every day as they walk uh, in faith uh, in God. And man, they're called to cross over from the kingdom of this world uh, to, to, to the kingdom of God. They're called to, to cross over from an old way to, to a new way, from an old identity to a new identity, from an old life to a new life. They're called to cross over, and we're going to see that each week as they take steps of faith in following this God of Israel, uh, Yahweh. Man, and uh, Abraham's faith, it's moved. Uh, it, it is powerfully moved. It, it moves him to places in his heart and in the world that, man, he, he never knew uh, was possible. He never knew was possible in his heart. And we're seeing really a man uh, and his family just like us um, sin, struggle, have successes, and have victories, uh, and we're seeing that each week as we go on, but in the middle of it all is, is what? It's God's faithfulness. It's his faithfulness, man. It's not about, uh, man, he calls us to be faithful, but man, we, we're so broken, uh, but man, it's about God. It's about his faithfulness and what he's doing in the world and in our lives, and, man, and he wants us to be a part of it, and he doesn't need perfection, he doesn't need perfection out of us. Man, he doesn't need us to make right the right decisions all the time. Um, God is faithful simply to those who are just faithful uh, to him. And man, most importantly, what I hope we see each week, and man, it's part of my job, and I, I really dig hard, is that we see Jesus. Uh, uh, Jesus is not just the, uh, this dude in the New Testament. Jesus is in it and working in the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, he is there um, behind the scenes. And ultimately, Jesus, uh, he took the ultimate uh, quest where he crossed over. He crossed over from heaven to earth uh, to save us. And man, I hope that's what we see at the end of each message uh, when we meet. Man, we've seen God powerfully call Abram right three weeks ago. We've seen God powerfully call Abram into his purpose, um, and he reluctantly answered the call. You know, it, it went from nowhere to, to halfway, from no way to halfway to all the way. He finally answers the call fully, and he leaves, and he goes, and he answers this call. Man, then we saw in, uh, last week, Abram, he messes up. Abram messes up. Abram makes the wrong decision. Man, he didn't trust God. He gets his, him and his family into a pickle. Man, uh, he, he messes up. Man, today, today begins a bit of a winning streak for Abram. 
Today begins a bit of a winning streak for Abram, but really the story also, it begins to put emphasis on his nephew, uh, Lot. It begins to put this emphasis on nephew Lot, and God is going to teach us so many truths about who he is and who we are uh, through uh, Abram's nephew Lot, and also uh, Abram. Man, you know, having kids, since we've had kids and they're old enough to watch movies and TV, it's really, it's really played into my hobby. Uh, I have a hobby of watching movies. You know, I, I probably talk about movies every, every message that I give. I can't help it. Uh, I just love watching movies, and having kids has really played into it. Uh, man, especially, you know, you know, boys watch certain movies, and I might enjoy them a little bit more. So, um, But girls watch movies, too. And, man, I've actually, I love these movies that these girls watch. I I love them, man. I love to watch these movies, and um, I might love to watch these movies more than they do. Like, we just watched the first three Tinkerbell movies. Yeah, and I was the one. I was like, yo, I'm watching Tinkerbell. You in with me? <laughs> Mackenzie's like, yes, I'm watching Tinkerbell with you. Man, and these Tinkerbell movies are awesome. Man, I love these movies. Tinkerbell is so cool. And, and these stories that they're telling, man, Tinkerbell is this girl, she, this little, you know, this little fairy girl, and she gets herself into trouble each, each, each step of the way, each, each movie, each, each episode. She gets herself into a lot of trouble because, and here's why, man, because she sees things immediately in front of her, right? But she doesn't like think about, you know, a few steps ahead, like the impact that the decision she's about to make could, what, what, it, what could happen to her, her friends, her fairy friends, and, you know, her fairy village, and people are always in danger, and people are always getting into trouble, because Tinkerbell just, she keeps just seeing, like, what's immediately in front of her, and she goes for it. She goes for it, but like I said, she, she doesn't think about what's ahead, and, and the, the impact of what her decision could be, and, and guys, that's what we're going to see. You know, we're going to see a little bit of, like, a, a Tinkerbell story story um, in, in this message today, and man, as I, as I have watched these Tinkerbell movies, man, I, I've been moved. Um, not as much as scripture moves me, but man, Tinkerbell, I'm not going to lie, I, I love it. I'm just waiting for, like, what's next? You know, what are these, these, what are these like, little girls watch? You know, I'm waiting for the next, like, trilogy of movies to watch. Now, let's get into this text. Let's get into this text. Uh, we're in, in chapter 13, starting in verse 5. Chapter 13 and verse 5, it's, it says, verses 5 through 7, the scripture says, and Lot, and Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at the time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. So, man, as we know, uh, as we know, so despite Abram's royal mistake, uh, he 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 really messes up by by going to Egypt. Uh, his lack of trust in God and his lying and his manipulating um, in Egypt. God is faithful. God is faithful and he course corrects Abram and his family, Abram and Sarai. He course corrects them and brings them back out of Egypt, back to where they, they belong, back where they started, next to the, the land of Canaan. And God, here, he, he doesn't waste any time in arranging Abram's next test. 
He doesn't waste any time in, a, in arranging Abram's next test through like a really super practical situation. A really super practical situation, man. We, we should regard all circumstances... We should regard all circumstances as coming from the finger of God. Man, I know it's easy to think, man, sometimes God is like not in this. Like God is not in control. God is in control. Man, the, all of our circumstances are li- in our life are coming from the finger of God. And this really, it brings new meaning and new purpose to the most ordinary things that happen in our lives. The most practical situations in our lives. And we see that. In the scripture today, man, uh, Abram, he was already wealthy. We learned that the past few weeks. Abram is like this wealthy guy. He, he's one of the wealthiest uh, people really in the world at that time, as, as they knew it in the world at that time. And back in Egypt uh, last week, Pharaoh, Pharaoh gifted Abram and his family lots of stuff. Like lots of livestock, lots of herds, lots of servants, just gifted him lots of stuff, uh, gifted lot, lots of stuff. Uh, they all just enjoyed this, this, uh, this increased wealth. And really their wealth, it began to overwhelm them. It began to overwhelm them and it started causing friction. It started causing friction between them. Oh, there's only so much grass that, you know, some sheep can, can, can graze, right? There's only so much grass a few, ac- a few acres can provide for, for these sheep. And so what happens next? That's kind of the context of what's going on here. Uh, what happens next? Man, in, in verse 8, these next several verses, you know, we're going to start to see like, hey, this is how Abram thinks. And then we're going to see how, how this is how Lot thinks. And we're going to see how, where they are in their hearts, these, these two people, Abram and his nephew Lot. And the scripture says, starting in verse 8, it says, then Abram said to Lot, so he's got a response to this, this whole situation going on between him and Lot's, his family and Lot's family. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me. And between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen, is not, the land, is not the whole land before you. Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go left. Man, when Abram went to Egypt, Abram thought he had to take his fate into his own hands. Man, he thought he had to look out for himself. Man, here's this famine. I know God's calling me here, but here's this famine. I need to take back control of my life, and I need to make a decision for myself. I need to, I need to take my fate into my own hands, and, and, and he had to look out for himself. That's what he thought, man. He walked by sight. He was walking by sight. He saw something. Right? He saw something, he saw this famine coming, and then he starts thinking all these things, and, and he forgets God prom- God's promises, and, and he left where he was supposed to be. God course corrects them, and he's learned now how to trust God more. He learned a lot from that situation in Egypt. Now, now he's learned to trust God more. Now he's walking by faith. He's not walking by sight. He's walking by faith. Now, Abram is wiser. Man, he's showing wisdom here. You know, a few acres of grazing land, it didn't seem worth fighting for to a man who was increasingly growing an eternal perspective in his life. Just a few acres of grazing land didn't seem worth fighting for for a guy who is growing in his perspective on eternity. Man, he willingly surrenders his own rights. Man, that's what's going on here. He willingly surrenders his own rights without complaint. Remember, Abram, he is the leader. He is the leader. He is the elder. He is the patriarch 
of this family. He is the patriarch and the leader. But Abram, he doesn't pull rank. You know what? I'm the elder. I'm the leader. I'm the patriarch. I'm older than you. I'm going to make the choice. I'm going to make the choice. And you're going to go where I tell you. No, Abram, man, he, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Man, he doesn't pull rank. He denies himself. He denies himself. He empties himself. He empties himself, man. He takes the form of a servant to Lot. He takes the form of a servant to Lot. He didn't yield to Lot out of weakness. Now, that's not what's going on here. He didn't yield to Lot out of weakness. No, he yielded to Lot through love and trust in God. Through love and trust in God. Man, this is what faith does. Man, this is what faith does. It conforms us into the image of Jesus. It conforms us into the image of Jesus. Jesus didn't pull rank. Man, Jesus didn't pull rank when he came to earth. He did not pull rank. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. Paul writes to the Philippian church. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is yours in Christ Jesus. Yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Man, Abram's heart was increasingly headed towards God. He was humble. Man, he is wiser. He is emptying himself. He is denying himself. He's headed towards God. And his surrender, really, his surrender is really, it's just a demonstration of what's going on in his heart. That's what we're seeing here, man. This is, listen, this isn't an invitation uh, to just let anybody make your choices for you. You know what? Like, I'm just going to, from now on, I'm just going to let, you know, my friend just make all my decisions for me. Man, you know, we see Abram here allowing Lot to make the decision. You know, that's not, that's not what this is. This is not an invitation to that. You know, like, my wife and I just had a date night on Friday night. Friday night, was it? Yeah. Uh, you know, we were like, where should we go? And I, I was like, what? You just pick, you know? You know, if you Panera or, or whatever. I was letting her make that choice. That's cool. You know, you can do that. Man, but when it comes to uh, our spiritual life and the, all these decisions we have to make, um, this is not an invitation to just let somebody just make all of our decisions for us. That's not what this is. Guys, the question isn't who can I let make this choice for me? It's not who can I let make this choice for me. The question is, am I surrendered to God Am I surrendered to God, like Abram, like Jesus, was surrendered to the Father, and do my choices demonstrate that? Do my choices demonstrate that? That's what we want to take home from, from Abram's heart here. Do my choices demonstrate that, man, my heart is surrendered to God? Abram's heart is surrendered to God. Man, I remember back in December 2016, Back in December 2016, this is well before we even started this church, um, I, the, the church planning was on my heart and I felt like God was calling us, but then all of a sudden, man, December 2016 hits, um, all these options just like fall on my lap, 
fall, and they all take us to a different place. Like there's this crossroad. I, you know, it wasn't anything that I did. Uh, there was we, we could have either started this church, we could have went through with church planting. Uh, there was this college ministry opportunity that came up, uh, a college ministry opportunity, and then also there was an opportunity. My friend, out of the blue, he he calls me. My friend down south in the golf business, and he calls me. He's like, "Hey, I want you to come down here and, and work with me and manage a country." club, like a really nice country club in Georgia. I'm just like, what? Like, all these options are coming at me. I'm like, what is happening here? Like, I feel called to, like, church planting and to do this. Um, but then all these, like, options, like, start coming my way. I'm like, God, what are you doing? Like, what are you trying to say to me? And, man, that was, like, one of the worst months of my life, man. Like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with, with these options in front of me. Like, I, I felt like I just wasn't hearing from God clearly on what direction to go in. And um, finally, I was just like, you know what, God? Like, I surrender. <laughs> He brought me to another point of surrender. That's what he's going to do. He's always going to bring us to points of surrender, these crossroads, these points of surrender. And I was just like, God, I, I surrender. I don't really know what to do here. I feel called to, to church planting and pastoral ministry and all of this, but I don't know where these things came from out of the blue. Um, I surrender. I, I, I'm not hearing from you clearly, but I surrender this situation to you, and I'm just going to make a choice. I'm just going to make a decision. Man, I so badly wanted somebody else to make the choice for me. I did. I, I can't take this. You know, you ever get to that point where you don't know what to do and I, I, you, you don't want to make the decision because you're fearful. You, you fear like what, what, what might happen, what might go wrong. So you just, you know, you just want somebody else to make the decision for you. Man, I had to make the decision and I surrendered to God. I was like, God, I don't know exactly what to do, but hey, I feel called to do this and I feel like my heart is right and I'm just giving you this situation and I'm going to make a decision. Uh, and here we are today with church planting. That was what was on my heart. I made that decision. It's not about whether I get the decision right or not. Man, it's just about, man, do you have a surrendered heart? Do you trust God? Do you trust Him? You're not always going to know exactly what to do. Do you trust God? And you can make a, a wise decision. Are you surrendered? And so we see Abram's heart here, and, and now we're going to see uh, Lot's heart. We're going to see Lot's heart. Man, what's going on in Lot's mind? What's going on in his eyes and, and his heart as he's in this situation uh, with, his, with, um, with uh, Abram? It says in the, in the text, it says this, starting in verse 10. It says, and Lot, and Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And Lot walked by sight. Lot, he walked by sight, not by faith. 
Lot walked by sight, not by faith. Egypt, just last week when they were in Egypt, Egypt was a beautiful place. You know, the Nile River's there. The, the, the Egypt is like the wealthiest country in the world at that time, the most technologically advanced. And Egypt was a beautiful place. And during this detour uh, in Egypt, Lot had taken a liking to Egypt. Lot had taken a liking to Egypt. He loved it. He loved it. The allure of Egypt. He, he, he loved it. And uh, Lot already had wealth. He already had wealth. You know, this wasn't anything new that he got all this, this wealth uh, from Pharaoh. He already had wealth. Its allure just rubbed off on him. Its allure just rubbed off on him. After experiencing Egypt, a new bar was set. A new bar was set in Lot's mind for what he thought was satisfying and fulfilling. For what he thought was satisfying and fulfilling. I mean, it wasn't Lot's choice that led him astray. It wasn't his choice to choose the Jordan Valley that led him astray. Man, his heart was already astray in Egypt. His heart was already astray in Egypt. It was just this choice was demonstrating that. This choice was a demonstration of his heart and what was going on. He's not surrendering to God. Man, he is not surrendered. Man, he is walking by sight. He's not walking by faith. He's not walking by faith. Lot knew about the cities in the Jordan Valley. And he knew about it. Everybody knows about the cities and where they are and man, what's, what's in them and what's going on. He knew about the cities in the Jordan Valley and the trouble ahead. And he knew about that, but all his focus was on what he saw right in front of him. All of his focus, all of his heart, it, was, it, it wasn't surrendered to God. It was, it was all focusing on what was right in front of him immediately right there. He cared only about the material abundance. He only cared about the material abundance of the land. He didn't care for how it would impact him and his family a few steps ahead. He didn't care about those things. Guys, Abram had flocks. Abram had flocks. He was wealthy too. But the flocks didn't have him. His wealth didn't have him. Man, Lot had flocks. Lot had wealth. But his wealth had him. His wealth possessed him. His wealth had him. Man, wealth didn't possess Abram. It didn't have Abram. Guys, he didn't have the faith. Lot didn't have the faith or the wisdom or the foresight to see a few steps ahead, to see the trouble ahead. He was only focusing on the beauty and the material abundance, man, right in front of him. Guys, I want to tell you right now, if there's one thing I've learned in this world, man, what you see in the world is very rarely what you actually get. What you see in the world right in front of you is very rarely actually what you get. It's true. Man, the world puts in front of us a limitless menu of pleasures. A limitless menu of pleasures and, and things and abundance and all this. But guys, just because something looks good, it doesn't mean it is good. Just because something looks good, it doesn't mean it is good. Man, just, just because something tastes good, it doesn't mean it is good. Just because something smells good, it doesn't mean it is good. Man, just, just because something feels good, it doesn't mean it is good. Just because something pays well, it doesn't mean it's good. Man, what is God's will? 
Man, what, what, what is he commanding you to do? Man, just because something might look good or it might feel good, it doesn't mean it is good. You know, we have this issue with pornography in, in our country and, and as men and even women. Man, we see this and man, this is, this is it. This like, I'm getting something from this. You know, it feels good and it looks good. Guys, it is not good. It leads you to destruction. It leads us to, to trouble in our lives. It leads to trouble and destruction in our relationships and in our marriages and how we view men and how we view women, how we view sexuality. Just because it looks good, it doesn't mean it is good. Man, just because it tastes good, it doesn't mean it is good. I'm going through this whole thing. I'm cleansing my body since Thanksgiving, man. I used to be so bad eating junk food and chocolate and ice cream and all that stuff. And that stuff tastes good. I'll tell you, it doesn't mean it is good. Because, man, I felt like I was overweight. I didn't feel good. Man, it was just leading to kind of like this bad feeling. And finally, I just got to a point where I was like, I got to make a change. I got to make a change. I got to stop doing this. Man, just because, like, you know, I love chocolate. Who doesn't? Y'all love chocolate? Y'all love ice cream? I know. So do I. It's good. It tastes good. But it doesn't mean it is good. Man, it can take us down a road that we don't want to go. It can take us down a road we don't want to go. Man, just because something sounds good, it doesn't mean it is good. I look back on my life. I used to love rap music. That's, yeah, I don't know if y'all knew that. I used to love rap music. The beats and the rhymes and, you know, the lyrics and stuff, the freedom. I felt like, you know, they had to, to be doing all this. Man, and it sounded good to me. But, man, I, I learned in my walk with Christ, it's not good. It's not good. It sounds good, but it's not good. Man, it's not good. Man, I, I made that change in my life. Man, it, it affects the way I talk. It affects the way I think about things and people and situations. It affects us, man. It goes to our heart, that kind of stuff. It goes to our heart. Man, just because something feels good, it doesn't mean it is good. I mean, when you take something pure and essential like God's command for, for sex, sex within a marriage relationship, within a marriage covenant, man, and we're so tempted, man. You know, we, we meet this girl or this guy, and I, I just, man, I, I just want to have sex. Like, I just, I just want to get into this relationship with her. I don't, I don't think I have to be married. But, man, and just because it feels good and, and it, it, may, it may feel good, it doesn't mean it is good. It leads to trouble in your relationship, Man, it's not God's design for sex. It's not his design. Uh, it's, it's, it's sex outside of the boundaries of marriage. Man, it's not good. It leads to damaged relationships in a damaged way in which we think about our, 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 our boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Guys, just because something looks good doesn't mean it is good. And we're seeing that with Lot here. He sees this Jordan Valley. He's like, man, this looks good. This looks good. And he knows what's ahead. He knows the trouble. He knows the cities. But man, he's just looking at what's there right in front of him. Genesis 3.6. Man, we see it all the way back in the beginning. Genesis 3.6 there in the, in the scripture on the screen. This is when sin came into the world. God commands them to not eat the fruit on this tree. Don't eat, you can eat the fruit in all these other trees. Don't eat the fruit in this tree. And then look what happens. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, the woman saw the, the, the fruit of the tree was good, she saw it. It looked good. 
She saw it. It looked good and pleasing to the eye, it says, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. And she gave it to her husband. And he ate it. That's not good, man. Sin comes into the world. Destruction ruins everything about God's creation. Ruins everything about, about our emotions and our psychology and everything. Sin affects everything. Man, that fruit looked so good. It looked so good, man, but it wasn't. It wasn't good. Man, when Jesus, Jesus was fast, he fasted in the wilderness for 40, for 40 days and 40 nights. Right? Satan, what? What did he do? He tempts him. He tempts him with all these seemingly good things. He didn't tempt him with, like, really any bad things. You know? He's like, hey, you look hungry. Hungry. Turn these stones to bread. That's a good thing. You know? Dude's got to eat. Jesus is like, no. Because that's not the will of God. That's not the will of my Father. I'm not here to eat. I'm here to fast. Because that's what God's telling me. That's what the Father is telling me to do. Man, and then he takes him up to the top of that building or whatever, that temple, and he shows him all the lands, right? He shows him all the lands. And look, I'll give all of this to you if you just bow down to me. That's not a bad thing. You know, having all these kingdoms and, you know, all, all this stuff, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That could, that's a good thing. Jesus is like, no. That's not the will of the Father, man. That's not why I'm here. That's not the will of the Father. That's not why I'm here. It, it, he was, he, he, he was there and, and these seemingly good things, these seemingly good things, but they were things that would have led him astray from his heavenly Father. And as we know, man, Jesus, Jesus was focused. Man, Jesus was focused. He had the eternal perspective, man. He saw steps ahead of everything. Man, he didn't just focus on what was right in front of him. Man, he saw everything ahead of him. Man, during those crossroads back in December 2016, man, that opportunity to manage this country club, that looked really good to me. I was actually, I almost did it. I went down to Atlanta for an interview. I couldn't believe that. I went down to Atlanta for, for an interview and just to meet with my friend. And it, what a great club, just a great place. I was like, man, this is awesome. This would be so fun to like manage a, a really nice country club with like a really good friend of mine. How much fun would that be? It would be so much fun. And I started having all these visions and ideas of what we could do and this, this, and that. You know? And then and after a while, I, I was just like, you know what? I just don't know. I don't know. Like, this doesn't seem right. I don't know if I'm called to do this. And like I said, I surrendered it to the Lord and ultimately I made my decision to stay here and continue to pursue that calling to, towards church planting. And you know what happens about a year later, about eight months later? Man, I, I, I caught up with my friends that would have had me down there to run that club with him. I found out that he left the club. Man, he left the club after eight months. And I remember having a conversation with him. I was like, man, if I do this, are you going to stay? You know, if I do this, are we in this for like long term? He's like, yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to do this together. You know? Well, and I, I didn't do it. And I find out eight months later, he left. I was like, man, what would I, what, what would I have done if my friend left? You know? Just praising God. Thanking God, man. I feel like I did the right thing. Just thanking him for, for his sovereign will and for him pushing me in, in the right direction. Just praising God. Thank you, God, that we didn't go back to Georgia, back to Atlanta. There was so much about it that looked so good. It was home again for Stephanie. She's from Georgia. I love Georgia. 
So much about it looked so good. But there was just something about it. You know what? It's not good. And I'm just, I'm just grateful that we didn't do it. I'm grateful that we didn't do it. It wasn't God's will. Guys, when our bar for what's satisfying and fulfilling, when our bars for what's satisfying and fulfilling is set at anything but God himself, anything but God himself, you're going in the wrong direction. You got decisions to make? Man, you pray, God, am I going to love you more in this? Whatever you're calling me to, am I going to love you more? Is this about you or is this about me? Man, is this job, do I think this job is going to satisfy me or fulfill me? Or, or is this where you are? Is this where you want me? Because I want to be satisfied and fulfilled by you, God. Not this job. Man, not, not this or that. Man, is that how we're thinking when we're, when we're processing these decisions? So after Abram and Lot separate, God has another heart-to-heart with Abram. Man, he, he has communicated these promises to, to Abram uh, over the last couple of weeks, and he does it again here. It says, starting in verse 14, it says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes, and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Man, that hits his heart right there. Because remember, him and Sarah can't have a kid. These promises all hinge on a baby, a son. Remember, and they can't do it. They're old dogs, man. They're like 75 years old. Man, they can't do it. Remember that. They can't do that. So for him to hear that is like, man, that's a tough promise to believe. That's a tough promise to believe. But man, he believes. And then God says, arise. Walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. God reminds Abram of the promised lands. His promises, I'm going to give you a son. And not only am I going to give you a son, I'm going to give you a nation of people that's going to be so numerous. Man, it's not even, it's not even a joke. This is serious, man. I am going to give you this. Man, what does this mean for us today? Man, when you hear these things, well, while the promised land was a piece of land, it was this actual piece of land, it was, it was uh, west of the Jordan River and the Dead Sea, um, really modern-day Israel or, or, or Palestine, or I don't even know whose it is right now, Palestine or Israel. They're fighting over it, unfortunately. Um, but man, it was a, an actual piece of land, but it was never about the land. It was never about the land, but God's presence with them in the land. That's what it was about. It was always about God's presence, guys. For us today, the promised land is Jesus. The promised land is a relationship with Jesus. Man, anywhere can be the promised land. Anywhere can be the promised land because by faith alone, Jesus is inside of you and goes with you. Anywhere can be the promised land. Man, this is the promised land right here, right where you're sitting right now. Man, your bathroom is the promised land. Your bathroom can be the promised land. Anywhere is the promised land because it's Jesus who goes with you and his presence in your heart. Your kitchen can be the promised land. Guys, anywhere can be the promised land because Jesus is inside you. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, 
He says, starting in 14, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. All of the fullness of God. Man, what God was trying to tell Abram, I've got this land for you, and that's where the fullness of me is going to be. That's it. That's where I'm going to take you if you will just listen to me. Just obey me. Well, guys, now it's, it's a relationship with Jesus. It always has been. It's the presence of God and experiencing the measure of His fullness. His fullness. Walking by sight. Walking by sight and the enticements of the world will stop us. It'll stop us from experiencing the fullness of God and His promises. Man, guys, God is always going to bring us to a crossroad. You might be in a crossroad right now. I don't know what's going on with everything in all of your lives. May God is always going to bring us to a crossroad. He doesn't just do it once in your life. May He does it all the time. May every day is a crossroad. Every day is a crossroad. We've got to make a choice. Is it God's way? Is it His will? Man, or is it just what's right in front of me? The thing that looks good and is beautiful or, or whatever it is, but may I know it's not good. Man, is it God's will and His way? Guys, it's, it's, it's not really about making the decision to be right. That's not really what it's all about. Of course, man, we want to make all the right decisions and we want to do this and that. Guys, it's about surrender. It's about surrendering our lives and our situations to God. It's about surrendering it all to Jesus. God isn't pleased by us just trying hard to make all the right decisions. That's not what pleases Him. What pleases Him is a surrendered and humble heart. A surrendered and humble heart that might say, Man, God, I don't know what to do here, but I'm going to make a decision and I trust you. I trust you. And maybe you don't know what to do, but you've got these options and they're all good. They seem to be all good, but God isn't clearly telling you what exactly to do. Well, crossing over, it doesn't necessarily mean getting it right. It doesn't mean necessarily getting it right, man. Crossing over means just making a decision and just trusting God. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? It's about surrendering your will and your way for God's and being in the place in the fullness of God's presence in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. But we have to see. Man, we have to see past those enticements and those temptations that blind us from the trouble ahead. Now, we got to see those things. We got to walk by faith and not by sight. The eyes of faith. And we must remember that what you see in the world, it's, it's very rarely what you actually get. What you actually get. And it's walking by faith and not by sight. Let's pray.